What's going on, entrepreneurs, small business owners, and side hustlers around the world? Leo Cannell here with today's Seven Figures Club podcast. And today we have an amazing guest. This gentleman's name is Jason Bradshaw. And no, he's not from Beaver, Utah, where I'm from. He is actually from Down Under, and he is a guru when it comes to customer experience, CEO and co-founder of Bradshaw. Uh, which is uh, Bradshaw Cohen Co. I guess that's what it is, right? Bradshaw Cohen Co. Co. Which is uh, which is a global strategic advisor to C-suite executives and startup entrepreneurs. He's a keynote uh, keynote speaker on experience management, customer and employee experience, which is just as important if you want to have a great culture and a great team. Uh, digital experience and leading through crisis, which we may have seen a few crises the last two years. So we'll probably ask Jason. Uh, you know, some different uh, points of view and perspective that he can give on that. Uh, he's led big change to some of the most recognizable brands like Target, Fairfax, and Volkswagen, just to name a few. And of course, he's focused on delivering customer-centric growth and, and phenomenal service, including over 200% increases in lead gen, $36 million in e-commerce sales. And obviously in our audience, we have a lot of e-commerce business owners gearing up for the fourth quarter and Black Friday and getting those inventory levels up and, and having a really strong end to 2022 in spite of all the uncertainties. Jason, welcome to the show. There are over 32 million businesses in the US and over 90% of them will never break seven figures in annual sales. So how do we as entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs break into that seven figures club? This podcast will relentlessly share the secrets, strategies, and tactics I've used to create three multi-seven figures businesses and bring in even more successful entrepreneurs than me to share their inspirational stories and tactics to success. You can create your dream business in life right now. So buckle up and let's go. Thanks, Leo. It's great to be on the show. Well, Jason, the first question I always ask is we want to find out more about your background and what led you down a path of entrepreneurship? Was it something within the way you were raised? What Did you have family and friends? Or was it kind of a chance uh, experience? What led you towards entrepreneurship and independence? Well, by the time I was 21, I'd actually owned three businesses, three successful businesses, and I started my first one at 14. And to be completely transparent, wow. what led me to it was necessity. Well, when I say necessity, okay. I was a 14 year old kid and I just wanted to have the latest and greatest shiny pieces of technology. Right. And That's, you know, it's my, like my 13 year old, he's starting businesses and he just wants the latest iPhone, the latest iMags. Absolutely. And, you know, my parents, God bless them, they would uh, do everything they could for me. But the one thing that they yeah. never wanted was just to hand over cash and for me not to value money. So. I had a choice. I could go and get a job and get minimum wage, you know, on a weekend, right. or I could do something that I thought would would help me achieve my goals. So I started selling what I wanted to buy, and um, by so I started selling computer equipment, mobile phones, um, and eventually, you know, that little business started selling just office supplies as well because you know customers would say to me, oh, you know, I need to get printer. Uh, ink from you can't I get these other things and so that expended over time and and from there I, I ended up starting a domestic and commercial cleaning business um, and had you know staff of about 30 people and then uh, I, I took a, a slight misstep uh, but a great learning experience and that was 
that I started a video rental store. So in the days of Blockbuster, I thought I could beat Blockbuster. Well, here we are. I no longer have the video rental store and Blockbuster isn't around. Uh -huh. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Is that so? This is an actual picture of you on on this magazine, right? Yeah. So at fourteen, I was uh, interviewed That's by Australian so Small cool. Business and Investing. Um, yeah. There's a really cringe-worthy video on my website uh, of me being interviewed by a current affair. That one there. So, okay. Um, nice. Uh, yeah. So fourteen, and that's uh, awesome. And what I would say is that you know I didn't I didn't change the world. I'm, I wasn't Bill Gates at fourteen, but um, the the tenacity that I learnt at fourteen is what has carried me through in everything I've ever done. You know, it was so easy for people to have ideas, but it's hard to have the tenacity to push through when it gets difficult and actually make that dream come true. No question. And, uh, and everybody uh, thinks they have this magical idea and they better protect it. But ideas, as Gary Vaynerchuk said, are many, but execution is rare. And that's clearly what separates successful entrepreneurs from those who are not successful. So. You know, Jason, obviously, that's that's kind of a, an amazing story of entrepreneurship from a young, young age there. And then what led you towards, you know, your your current ventures where you've been really focused? When when did you first realize how important, you know, a customer's experience and defining that? Because for years, you know, most people thought, you know, you've got sales, you've got marketing, you've got a product, a quality product. And, and yet people can buy, certainly if there's a product that have been commoditized, but if somebody gives a much better experience, for example, looking at Uber versus you know the regular taxi, that is a completely different customer experience. What made you realize how important defining and improving that experience is for every business? Well, at 14, when I was interviewed, if you watch the uh, cringeworthy interview, you'll hear me talking about that I charge more and people are willing to pay for that because of the service I deliver. Now, I'm not 14 anymore. We don't say customer service anymore. It is about the experience. But in every job I had, whether it was a business that I owned or whether I worked for the you know, the big corporate, I found that when I improved the lives of my team members or of my customers, when I reduced the amount of pain that yeah. they experienced, because sometimes you can't get rid of the pain completely, but if you can reduce the right. pain, reduce the friction, that I would yeah, win. Yes. Now they would win too, but I would win in the process. And so, uh, you know, from working in telecommunications to government procurement to uh, an accounting firm, in and media, like in every single industry, it doesn't hasn't mattered to me if I've focused on making it better for my customer, whether that be an internal person I led or whether it be someone handing over hard earned cash for our products or services that ultimately we would grow. And so, you know, over a number of decades and seven different industries, I've tried to uh, always ensure that no matter what my job title was, no matter what the business was, that we improved the lives of the people that we served. And in doing so, you know, phenomenal results. Launched a new e-commerce platform in 14 days that in the first nine months did $36 million in business. Now- $36 million in the first nine months. Yeah, and, and continues to, to tick on. So, um, you know, yeah. And that wasn't because it was the best tech product, uh, best technology product platform. It wasn't because, you know, the products were being sold cheaper than anyone else. It was because it was delivered in a way that made it easy for the customer to achieve what they wanted to achieve.
the outcome. I feel, I feel, like, uh, I feel like we could kind of define a couple different uh, experiences for clients, right? We, we have, you know, let, let's talk the first about a service-based business, giving a service-based, uh, you know, client experience. Maybe it's an in-person and then also address, you know, the, the electronic, the digital experience of working on a platform like that. But if you're in a service-based business and you're listening to us right now and you're trying to figure out, oh my goodness, I'm trying to, you know, get into the seven figures club, only 5% of business owners, you know, make a million dollars a year in their business. And I'm, I'm starting to get my marketing, my sales down. I've got a decent product, but I haven't even considered what my customer experience is and as a service-based business owner, how I can provide that. Where is a good place to start for a service-based business owner to start documenting what that customer experience should look like? Yeah, well, the first thing is to define what you mean by it. So you and I can have a conversation around what customer experience means. And if, I, if you gave a definition, it would be slightly different to mine. And it also depends on where you're at in your, in your business stage, right? So the first I would say is, what do we define? What, how do we define customer experience? But beyond that, what do we promise to our customers? So if we promise to do X or to provide Y, you know, how are we going to provide it? And then measure how we deliver upon it. So, you know, the thing that holds back most businesses from being famous in their eyes of their customers is consistently consistency. You know, if you said that, you know, I'm going to give you the best coverage in your cell service, in your mobile service of any network in the world, and then that actually wasn't delivered on, what would customers do? They would go somewhere else, right? So if you make a pro define the promise, you can then measure how you deliver on that and you can get really consistent on delivering on that promise. So, you know, it, and it doesn't have to be a big promise, you know, FedEx absolutely guaranteed for it to be there overnight. If you want it to be there overnight, FedEx it. Everyone in the company knows that their number one job is to make sure that package gets there overnight, right? And the more consistent they are at meeting that promise, the more people trust them and the more people just automatically give them business. So that's interesting. So what you did there was you kind of define you as the business owner, kind of get to define what matters to your client based off of what your unique, uh, you know, competitive advantage is. And so you gave the example of FedEx, it's got to be overnight or whatever your example, whatever it is you stand for and that sets you apart, you have to deliver on it. So yeah. that's that's a great place to start is is delivering on the promise that you make. And so I've got, that starts with the sales process. What is the offer you're making to the customer? And then how are you following through with that? Where would you define onboarding, you know, in that process of customer experience and ways to improve the onboarding? Yeah. So what is it that you're trying to achieve for the customer or help the customer achieve? That, that, that's the, the real question. Here. Why, what solution or problem are you promising to solve for the customer? And then that onboarding experience should be the fast track to getting to the solution. It, it not only should be the fast track for the customer to get to the solution, but it should be the fast track for the organization to truly build a relationship with the customer so that you can add value. You know, one of the things that a lot of organizations focus on is that transaction of selling the service or selling the widget, whether it be a virtual product or a, or a physical product. But what they don't focus on is what happens after that. So, you know, what happens after selling a product is you have an opportunity to create a relationship. And the better you create that relationship, which you start through onboarding, 
the more opportunities you have to create value and to create new opportunities to sell to that customer again. No question. Could you give us a, an example of, you know, maybe maybe one of the companies you worked with or just an example of where you feel like uh, a really powerful onboarding you know, experience was presented and really led to the, the customer coming back, right? Because hopefully you're in a business where, you know, your customer can come back to you because you, like you said, you built that relationship. So what's an example, kind of a, a case study, if you will, uh, that, that you can think of and, and share with the audience of, oh boy, the, these guys are doing it right. Or even one that you did, did yourself where people had that great experience and then they came back again and again because of that first experience. Yeah. So let me talk about an experience that I'd led when I was with Volkswagen Group. You know, when you Perfect. buy a car, many people think it's you're one and done. You're not going to buy a new car every year or most people aren't going to buy a new car every year. So in the terms, in the view of the sales agent, it's I deliver the car and I move on with life. And then many dealerships would be like, oh, hopefully they'll come back in 12 months time. But what happens to that customer when they drive off the lot? Well, the first thing that happens is that, you know, the first day they've hopefully got a lot of joy. They've got this new shiny toy and what have you. They've probably got a hundred things going on in their minds around how you use certain features, but they weren't really listening because they just wanted to get behind the wheel and drive. So what we did at Volkswagen was post delivery of the product, post delivery of the vehicle, we had a series of communications with the customer that lasted three years. But at different frequencies, they would receive information and sometimes it was text, sometimes it was, you know, a video and it did a number of things. First of all, it it was designed to continue the relationship beyond handing over the keys. Second, it was designed to make sure that the customer was gently reminded about all the different features and benefits that were probably part of the reason that they bought in the first place. but weren't experiencing or didn't remember how to use them. And we really wanted to ensure that customers could get the full value out of their car. And then during that process, you know, it wasn't all sales. It was, you know, here's a great adventure that you can go on, a great drive you can go on. So again, getting them to enjoy the product so that they build that emotional bond to it. But it also gave us the permission to talk about the next logical purchase that they could make with us. So the next logical purchase would be either accessories, if it was a, a vehicle for off-roading, or the annual service. And how can I take away that pain of that annual service is to sell you a three-year or a five-year service plan. And so by creating this value exchange where we delivered value first, it gave us permission to introduce new sales opportunities and grew the sales of prepaid servicing substantially. Now. Most people think that the profit comes from selling the car. The reality is the most profit comes from the accessories and the servicing. So post the, the upsell guys, the yeah. upsell always has more profits in it. Yeah. So how can you sell a product, whether it be a physical good or a service, and then post that sale, continue to build a relationship that delivers value first that then opens the door to having a conversation about what's the next logical sale. That's beautiful. So, so if you guys are listening, you want to have some automated outreach where you're educating, you're delivering value on how the product can be most used, most effective for them. And it's probably in today's world, it's never been easier, right? Back in the, 
the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, you had to send out mail to do this, right? You would have had to have automated some mail systems to go out, but now you can have automated email. You can have automated text messages and videos go out. They can go right to their phone. And that's just quick, easy value. And as, as a customer of that company, you're like, oh, wow, I really appreciate that. And then once you enjoy that value, then there's an opportunity where you're that much more open to take action. You're absolutely right. If you can create opportunities to have recurring revenue, right? So if you look at Volkswagen, well, you got to change your oil every three months, right? Every 3,000 miles, that, that could be four more experiences. There's additional accessories. And then if that relationship's built well, you know, in a few years, when you look to upgrade or get another vehicle, who are you going to think about first where that relationship is built? That's uh, that's amazing. So as you're creating value through some of these uh, experiences after the purchase, what are what are some you talk about, uh, you know, a lot on, on your side and books and, and things you talk about three fundamental steps that you can use to improve the experience um, what are some of those uh, fundamental steps that business owners can take to improve that experience? Well, the very first one we've already talked about, it's defining the promise. What is it that you're going to, that you're yes. going to become famous for consistently delivering? The second is measuring the gap between the promise and the reality. Now, you know, as business owners, sometimes we drink our own Kool-Aid and think that we're delivering beyond the promise, but I'm asking you to look at the gap between the promise and the customer's reality. It's no good you thinking you're you're, you're delivering, you know, an amazing experience if your customers don't think that's the case. So, you know, in the in the FedEx example, if you think that uh, you're delivering overnight, but your customers think you're delivering every two days, you've got a problem. You've got a gap to close. And then the third step is to identify the biggest pain point or the biggest friction point that your delivering to your customers um, through a failure of your promise or through the way that you do business and then have an intentional focus on reducing or eliminating that pain and repeat the cycle. So you're not going to change your promise every week, every month, every year. You know, Potentially, you'll, your promise will be your promise for, for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. But if you continue steps two and three, measure the gap, identify the biggest pain or friction point, minimize and resolve, and then continue that cycle, what you're doing is you're building a habit of continuous improvement of the experience for customers. And that's that's something really key. Today, I'm judging my experience with any business based on my last best experience with any business. And if I come back to you and don't see that you're improving, the gap between you and the best is getting is getting greater and it gives me more cause to move. The thing that really worries me at the moment with the way the economy is going and some of the challenges is that organizations are starting to fail to focus on improving the experience, to focus on closing the gap between the promise and the reality. And, the, and it's really simple. 30% of customers will leave you after one bad experience. 70% of customers are willing to try someone else if they believe the experience is going to be better. So whichever way you look at it, 30% leaving or 70% considering leaving you, that's a problem. And that's a problem that deserves your attention. So you should focus on getting better every single day in small and meaningful ways so you don't give a reason to your customers to look elsewhere. 
Exactly right. Talk to us if you could about a digital experience, right? Let's say, you know, maybe we, we look at the example of you've got this e-commerce platform and, and my goodness, if you're gonna have a new e-commerce platform that generates $36 million in the first nine months, which is just incredible for a new startup, what were some of the keys to having that digital user experience friendly, um, over-delivering in value. And for everybody who, and, and I'm asking for myself too, because uh, we are launching a financial app uh, at myfigures.com to help entrepreneurs manage their money better. And I really am trying to get into this. How can I deliver a better digital user experience? And so I guess I can start at the beginning, right? Think about the promise. What's the gap in the, in the, uh, the promise and the actual experience? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, where can we make those improvements? But what uh, what else uh, would you go go beyond there in terms of digital? Because digital is completely different, right? You don't yeah. have maybe a human being holding your hand, guiding you through the process nearly as much. And so there's, I'm sure, different things that you got to take into account there. So the easiest way to answer that question is to provide an example everyone is familiar with, and that's Amazon. Okay, perfect. What, what did yes. Amazon do? Amazon reduced the amount of steps it took for you to buy something. Now, yes, they're selling physical products, but the, the lesson's true, right? In Amazon, you can press one click called buy now, and whatever that product yeah. is, it, it it's shipped before you have regret, right? It's turned up before you've even remembered that you've ordered it. So in a digital in a digital world, the, the first thing I would say is simplify the process. We have as few steps as possible between making the decision to buy the product and actually buying the product. The second thing comes back to a cliche from uh, you know our sales days, you know, shut up. Once the sales made, shut up. Stop trying to sell, right? So don't try to sell the farm to someone you don't have a relationship with. Reduce the barrier to entry, make it really simple and no-brainer for the customer to commit you know, whether it be $9 or $99 or, you know, depending on your audience, it could be hundreds of dollars, right? But what is the lowest possible entry to your world from, in terms of a financial commitment? Get them to make that decision really quickly. And when I say make that decision, it's the credit card down and the buy now button completed, the, the purchase now button completed. And then after that process, build that relationship that lets you upsell and continue the relationship. Because the $1 million sale, yes, you can spend six months to get the $1 million sale and you'll feel good about it. But you know what also feels good? Getting a million $9.99 sales that you can then upsell. You know, that's that's what I'm all months. about. That's my goal. Yeah. And, and it comes down yeah, to value. So. Deliver some value, yeah. make it really simple to buy, and then continue to deliver value. The, the mo people spend more money with you when they like, know, and trust you. And we, we spend so much time in our businesses making it hard for people to start to like know and trust us. So make it really simple for them to start that journey. So the, the next uh, you know progression here is we've talked a lot about the, the user, the customer, the client experience. Now, for those of us you know who have teams and, and every entrepreneur is, is building a team and hopefully trying to build a, a culture with values and principles, 
how do you start to become much more aware? Because again, we have this gap as the business owner thinking, oh, I'm delivering, I've got a great culture and my team loves me. But in reality, maybe we're not quite there and maybe our team's frustrated with us as a manager. And so how can you, you know, give that great uh, employee experience and where are some places to start with that? Yeah, well, it starts with the promise. What are you going to promise to your employees? Advertise that promise in your recruitment so that you attract people that are interested and excited by that promise and then ask them how you're delivering on it. That's the first, that's always the first step. Define what it is that you're going to be. The second step is to hold yourself to account to that promise. And then the third step is clarity. In everything that you do in your business, provide clarity to your team members about why you're doing it how it fuels success and in the case of the employee how it delivers on your employee promise and so if you if you say that you're going to you know provide the most magical uplifting experience to your guests uh, to your customers every single time but you don't tell your your employees what that looks like how to get there then you're a not going to deliver to your customers and b your employees won't know if they're successful or not because they're doing what John next to them did and and John's done a bit of what Mary was doing because he liked that and and maybe a bit of someone else right so get really clear on what success looks like from a customer lens and how your employees can deliver on that and how it uh, fuels and delivers on the promise you made to them as employees outstanding you know I'm looking at a picture on my wall here with our values and principles and it says we do what we say we are going to do, which comes back to that promise you make to your customer client, the promise you make to your employee and your team. And it's the same thing, right? If you can abide by that value and principle, work towards fulfilling on that, that's going to set you apart from 90% of the competition. There's just absolutely you know, no doubt about it. Well, Jason, it's been amazing connecting with you. I feel like we've all learned and it's, it's not overly complicated, but you just don't process these issues as well until you have an expert like you come in and map it out with a clear framework. So everybody listening here is, is at this point thinking, wow, I, I'd like to go deeper on this. I know this is something that I'm lacking in creating a better experience for my customer, my client, my employees, my team. Where is a great place to start where they can connect up with you and learn more about uh, you know all of these topics, and then not only learn but implement. Right? We want to. We don't want to be a podcast or a message where everyone's like, "Oh, it's a great message," but no, we actually need to take action. So, what's the action that someone can take right now to go deeper and start fulfilling better on the promises they're making to customers, clients, and their team? So, the action they can take right now costs them nothing. It's to read a piece of feedback or even better still, have a conversation with a customer and ask, genuinely try to understand what went wrong and then engage your team to make it right. Make it right for that customer where something went wrong, but then follow up with your team around how can we make sure this doesn't happen again and build a daily habit of looking at one piece of feedback, whether it comes from your customer or from your employees with that intention of making it right for that individual and systematically removing that pain or that friction out of your organization. Perfect. All right. Now, where do they connect with you 
and your books and your programs so that they can go deeper in these, in these topics. Fantastic. Uh, you know, I offer everything from executive one-on-one -on -one coaching to group coaching and corporate keynote speaks. Speaking, I've got books, of course. Uh, JasonSBradshaw.com. That's JasonSBradshaw.com. And on all the social platforms, Jason S. Bradshaw. Uh, and I'd absolutely uh, love hearing from your audience and seeing how I can serve them and help them get to their first million dollars in their business. Guys, he's got an amazing book out. It's called It's All About CEX, that customer experience, CEX, customer and employee experience to be exact. So make sure you go to jasonsbradshaw.com and check that out. Uh, he's got a lot of uh, content and, and information there. Obviously, the book is uh, amazing. He's got videos out there. And that's how we learn, right? That's how we become experts, not on us trying to figure everything out, but actually just learning from an expert who has already created framework and a roadmap to success when it comes to great giving your customer and your employees a great experience. And those are the two keys to be able to grow and scale a business. Otherwise, you're going to be putting out fires all day and twice on Sunday if you don't have those types of things. So jasonsbradshaw.com. Jason, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast, and we will see you guys next. But again, make sure you take action. Go to jasonsbradshaw.com. Just don't, don't listen and learn passively, but take action and build your business. Are you looking for more seven-figure secrets, content, or even how you can launch your own recession-proof business? Then check out sevenfigures.com. That's the digit seven, F-I-G-U-R-E-S.com, where we share more videos, stories, strategies, funding solutions, entrepreneurial education, and even the secret business type that's recession-proof. Thank you for listening, and if you're finding value in our podcast, please give us a five-star and invite others to join the club.